the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 109, and our guest is Ryan Soley. Ryan is the principal singer and songwriter for the band The Builders and The Butchers. The Builders and The Butchers came into my life at a very formative time with their debut self-titled record in 2007. I was in my 20s. I was trying to figure out what adult me would look like, a little angsty, disillusioned, yet hopeful, and super curious about the world. Ryan Soley's tunes seemed to capture what I was feeling in those moments, and all these years later, the Builders and the Butchers continue to captivate me. They have a wonderful new record of foot-stomping anthems called Hell and High Water, which was released on May 6th, 2022. This conversation is one of those that's a long time in the making and such a thrill. I am stoked to bring you a conversation with Ryan Solon. so much for doing that i am doing this i am very excited to talk with you yeah same let me let me do one thing real quick okay cool all right yeah let me double check uh setting here too to make sure you're loud enough okay great cool yeah man i i mean i told you in the email but like i've been a fan for a long time and oh that's cool so this is uh this is quite the the honor this is uh one of those things that like when i started the show you know, if you told me I get to sit down and talk to you someday, I'd be like, that's, I'm doing it right. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Uh, if you were to tell me when uh, we started the band that anyone would be interested at all in talking to me about what we're doing, then I would say that's amazing too. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great, man. Well, let's get into it then. I, you know, I've been listening to the new record quite a bit. Um, cool. I, I've spent a lot of time with it and I love it. It's, um, it's, different it feels different from other stuff that you've done and um especially as i was like going back through your catalog and i started at the beginning right that, that self-titled record that i just wore the fuck out back then you sure. know sure. and and then going through each sort of phase of the band and what's really exciting to me is how like the essence of the things that i loved about that record 
are still present in the band and in, in your creative uh, process, but, but it's just a lot different. It's right. It, you know, it's, a, it's more grown up. It's more um, anthemic. I feel like almost like oh, cool. <clears throat> kind of like uh, feels like it should be played in a stadium almost. <clears throat> Excuse me. Which is, um, which is fantastic. So I, I'm, I'm interested in, you mentioned sort of like at the beginning, the, the idea mm-hmm. that you would be, you know, grateful that anybody would even want to talk. Um, did, you, did you have a sense that this is a different and special thing at that moment? When we started the band? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, um, yeah, in a sense of like, it always felt like um, from the get-go, people were happy to be like in the, under the umbrella with us or whatever you want to say like um it just felt like people it wasn't a chore to get people to come to shows or or feel like and it was all of our it was all of our like friends and people we had been in bands with before and stuff in portland but it just felt very natural Mm. it didn't it didn't feel like um oh please come to our show and you know it's like oh yeah it's gonna be like a party and it's wow. going to be like, like this, you know, it's just going to be, it, it felt really easy compared to other bands I'd been in where you're like, you know, you're like, oh God, if we could only get 20 people to come to this show and why doesn't anybody care about this? It just felt like people cared kind of from the get go in a, in a way that felt organic. So that was really nice. That's great. I, and you know, I think what I was drawn to at the time. So, I mean, that's around, I'm in like my late twenties when that debut record comes mm-hmm. out. And so, me too. all right. Okay. <laughs> right on, right on. That's interesting. I don't know. think I knew that. So that's kind of like, um, a relatively late start for, yes. <laughs> for a band, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's interesting to me to think about that time because it's such a formative time of your life. And like, for me, especially it was, and I like, when that record came out, I would have been, would have been in law school. I guess is oh, what, wow. yeah. So I would have been like, um, I don't know, trying to figure my, trying to try to figure out what growing up is like. And I think a lot of the things that came out in those, in that early work of yours was, um, was helpful because it was like, I, you know, I was, there were some, um, kind of spiritual, um, aspects to it. And I yeah. was like really fighting with my spirituality at the time and trying to, you know, maybe that's a universal feeling at that point in your life, but yeah. Um, but I'm interested in, in that aspect of it and that tension between sort of like a hopefulness that I hear in your music while also some exploring some sort of like heavier, darker elements. And, sure. and, and if that's sure. a reflection of just sort of like h- how you are, or if that's a part of your creative process specifically. Well, yeah. I've never, um, resonated with a song that's like, uh, here's what you should think, or here's the here's what I'm trying to do. Like I've resonated with songs that are like complicated and weird and, you know, I don't know what to do Mm. or I don't know how to feel or um, from a darker place. It's always felt like some people listen to happy music to make them feel happy, but happy music kind of like depresses me. I, I music is more therapy. And so like listening to someone struggle makes me think like, Oh, cool. Somebody else is having that experience too. And so I, I, just have always liked songs like that. So that's what I end up writing. As far as like from the kind of religious or spiritual realm, um, you know, as a band, you kind of categorize your songs into like, 
party or good time songs and like fun songs. And then you have like the the songs where people are going to connect kind of emotionally to a song. And most people are like, well, I'll write a love song or whatever. But like, I also, <laughs> that's kind of been really done. And I love the emotion mm -hmm. and the feeling of gospel music, mm -hmm. even though I don't like resonate necessarily with the, the message. I love the, the deep belief and the like, it shows through the passion. And I, I absolutely love that. And I love also kind of like agnostic gospel songs or gospel songs where it's like, I don't know what I think, but I'm feeling this. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where those songs are coming from. Well, I, that's another thing that resonates with me is that I love gospel music, but because of a lot of the trauma from growing up in the church, Dude, I don't like totally. listening to it, you know? Right. And so that's one of the things I love about the builders and the butchers is that like, I get, and Pine Hill Haints um, does a similar thing for me. There are a few bands that kind of tap into that gospel feel in a way that I I can access it with I can access it without feeling like um, any sort of residual trauma from my yeah. upbringing. It's beautiful. Like there's nothing. Um, all the all the different. I'm I, through COVID. I'm just having like constant brain farts. So I'm really really sorry. But like oh, it's all good. There's all these incredible like. The art, the artistry behind some of the gospel singing is the best art in the that we we've, we've ever had, like in our in our country or whatever you want to say. And it's so sad how Christ, Christian music has been so co-opted, and it's just so artistically devoid of anything good. But the old stuff is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, these people singing together just to sing together for no other reason. So it wasn't about money. It was just about community and faith and these things that are all good things. Mm -hmm. When you start tying it to um, this is how you should think and this is what you should do, that's where it becomes problematic. But from the from just a pure community, spiritual, the reasons for making art, it's it's the most pure, beautiful reason to make it. Mm. The, you know. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I, you know, and okay, so I let's kind of somewhat shift gears here on on sure. on the tail of that, which is your songwriting, which ha has the the elements of so many different things, right? The the songs have gospel in them, and they have folk, and they have rock, and they have country. There's so much to the songs, and there's so many um, so many different layers. The, the storytelling part of it, though, I find really interesting because I wouldn't characterize like your writing as sort of like a linear story necessarily. It feels mm -hmm. like there's a lot of imagery that helps to tell the story. There's a lot of um, emotion that helps to tell the story. And it's not necessarily a traditional like ballad sort of style right. as I hear it. You know, can you talk right. a little bit about what that looks like on the process end? Yeah, that's a really good way to say it um there's a there's a certain thing where with if you're doing something in the folk scene or whatever it's so easy to get like sucked into something that's pretty generic as far as like we're the we're the new old blues gospel blah 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 singers and it sounds just like like it, it's so easy to be like here's our lane and um I appreciate kind of weirdos who take pieces from different genres and kind of mix it all together in a stew 
and that, like to me like the the kind of blueprint for that is someone like tom waits mm. like tom waits doing a song that's like cuban inspired doesn't sound like cuban music because he's putting it through his fucked up weirdo filter <laughs> but it's almost like all, but it's like all the it's like all the wrong notes or something it's all the shit that like you know santana wouldn't play yeah but it's yeah. but it's beautiful in that it's totally fucked up it's like a it's like a i don't know how to it's like the song version of like a mad max car like <laughs> oh that's fucking awesome look at that but it, it, you know but it's like weird and it barely runs but like that's what makes it cool oh that's and, so well said and so i love thinking about songs in that way like how can we like fuck this up to where it doesn't just sound like a a thing that's been done or whatever and so then then you have then you have like more things to choose from um they're not my favorite band ever but i love i love the there's a jack white quote in the white stripes where he's like talking about um that the album white blood cells and he's like we wanted to make a blues record with no guitar solos and no 12 bar what are you left with yeah yeah the like the feeling of it right and right. so like that's that's sort of i think getting at what you're asking oh that's so interesting so what does that look like in practice are you hmm. getting up and and writing every day are you getting together with the band to write like mm -hmm. when you're writing songs what does that and i and i recognize that has changed especially since you all live in different places now mm -hmm. um but what does that look what does that look like for you yeah in practice well my songs come like um like a flood or something like i'll have six mm. months where i hardly write and then six other months where i can't not write like it it's it's never um i'm gonna sit down and write like the songs just kind of come and i have to i have to do it when they come and you know so and that there's times where i'm like oh shit am i just done and then like a bunch of songs will come or i'll feel inspired and just just write like crazy um but as far as one thing that's great about uh, our, our band is that like um, everybody in the band comes from such a different musical place and has such different ideas and are very, very picky about what is uh, what they want to do, that if I write something that everybody likes, then I know that I've run through like all these different gauntlets of taste and like this is probably something that's good. Does that make sense? Like it makes like, a ton of sense. And and they and they and they'll tell me like I, I'm just not feeling this and I have to either rewrite it or just listen to that and move on to something else. And that's and I've learned that that's such a great thing. Instead of being like offended or like butthurt that like, hey, I worked on this guys. You know, it's like if we're not feeling this, let's do something that we are feeling. That's really interesting. So it sounds like you've come to a place where you're comfortable with that. Have you always felt comfortable with that, those filters? no it, you need to be like we've been a band for almost 17 years you right. know and so you, of course at the beginning you have these little ego whatever things and you feel you feel like oh my, what, what's wrong with you or whatever but but you learn over time when you start like going through the process end of time you're like oh this is this is good and i really appreciate this more than i dislike it is so are there moments that you mentioned how it kind of comes in in sort of fits of inspiration? Mm -hmm. Are there, 
are there commonalities to those times? Like, is it because you're like, I don't know, nurturing your soul in some way in those moments? Can you identify a pattern? That's a really good question. I've tried to think about that and I don't know exactly, but I do know that I'm not the kind of, like I've heard of people, I'm gonna go and go to the beach for a week and get a cabin and write this masterpiece. I'm not that way. Mm. I am more like, I'm super busy and almost like my mind has to get into like almost like <laughs> a manic, super busy state. Mm. And then within that, like my brain is stirred up and then the songs come. So I'm just like, oh fuck, I gotta record this. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's not, um, if I had all the time in the world to sit down and write something, I'd get nothing done. Oh, it's, interesting. I have to operate from like, okay, I have 20 minutes right now before I go. I've written more songs that I've been proud of when I'm like, okay, I have to go to the grocery store in 20 minutes, but I have a, I have just a chunk of time to write right now. So let's get something now. Uh, almost like a self-imposed urgency sort of yes, thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's right. That's, that's really interesting. I'm fascinated by that. Cause I know like, uh, a lot of songwriters feel the same way. A lot of folks say like, if I book studio time or whatever, then I, I know it's going to work. But a lot of folks are like, nope, I just need space. And it's so interesting to me that you sort of are like creating your own sort of senses of urgency around yeah. it. Um, I haven't heard it's it almost, put quite like that. Yeah, it's almost like my brain needs to be all fucking stirred up to be able to tap into that, which is totally counterintuitive. Yeah. But it, that's just how it's been for me. Right. I find that kind of inspired. I, I find all the fact that there and the more I do this show, you know, for years now we've done it. Um, the the more I realize just how there is no one way to do it and how interesting it is that people have those different processes. Right. I'm super curious also about, you know, earlier we were talking about being, you know, in your late 20s when things start to, to happen for the band and um, it seems like, I mean, you were what, 15 or so when you started playing guitar. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So in the scheme of things, like that's relatively late start. I feel like, you know, a yeah. lot of folks start playing earlier or they're at least like, uh, you know, they're in punk bands or garage bands earlier. And, and, and so I'm, I'm interested about like, if you feel as though that how that has impacted sort of your process as a creative and, um, and what kind of like led to it the later start? Yeah, I, I um, definitely have been playing in punk bands since I was 16 and kind of like and always had something kind of going as far mm. as that goes. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I think part of the later start was that I went to college and had a career as like a fish biologist, which is totally another thing yeah and, and I kind of like was kind of straddling the line between like I like I'm in my bands but also have my like career and so I moved to Portland in 2003 with my punk band from Alaska and we all we all moved here to do that and we started playing in Portland and what we kind of realized after a year was that like you know Portland is has and has had an incredible music scene and there's a million not a million but you know, hundreds, hundreds of bands here. And they're, a lot of them are really good. And a lot of them are like, what, what we kind of came to is that like, oh, you can't just be a punk band here. You have to be doing something like kind of different. 
you you have to be doing like in order to kind of like set yourself apart or or whatever be noticed then you have to like do something kind of weird yeah. and um so i thought about like all the ways in which the band i had been in has did what it did and i was like let's do, do a band that doesn't do shows let's do a band that finds people on the street let's do a band that like is weird and you know and so like that was a different approach and i think it helped kind of start something a new a new feeling with the band um, but as far as like a late start i think it was just like basically i'd been in that punk band straddling the thing of like career and band and you know uh as the builders and butchers got kind of going i was working down here as a fish biologist for like four years too so wow. you know it, it it's just one of those things that's hard to fully commit when you have that that job and that other thing that you went to college for and all those things. So, yes, that, dude, I am, <clears throat> I'm there right now. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in 13 years into a career in education and I'm at a kind of a crossroads. Yeah. Um, and I'm very seriously considering like pursuing my creative um, loves a little more yeah. aggressively. And I, I'm, yeah. so I'm interested if you have any like lessons that you learned from that time, like, mm. cause that's tough. Straddling that line is tough yeah. for so many folks. Yeah. How, you know, can you, how, can you think back to like, at what point you went, all right, I can make this, I can make this creative thing work. Well, you know, I, I was stringing along jobs through, through fish biology, but I knew I didn't want, like, I love being outside and working on rivers and, and doing that kind of physical work, but I knew I didn't want to get promoted because then you just have a desk job and so mm. I was like I don't want a desk job I don't and so I was like and I remember there was a moment where like I just kind of kept getting these temporary jobs and stuff and I had this one job that was just like sitting in a trailer tagging fish all night and it was like a night shift job with like a bunch of local kind of meth heads who like would get a paycheck and then take off <laughs> and I was like I no I don't need to be doing this I need to be doing my fucking band let's let's get out on the road and so like it's one thing for like me to be making that choice and then it's another for uh five four other guys to also make that choice but i think a, a number of things have to happen and there was a um booking agent living in town that really really got us kind of going on the road and, and set up tours for us. And he, he, you know, he now books the national and the Decemberists and mm. he books a ton, um, tame Impala, like, mm. but as he was on his ascent, we, he started booking us. And so we ended up doing shows that we frankly had like no business doing, but he got us these incredible shows and really good opening tours, like for Amanda Palmer from the Dresden dolls and murder by death. And, just really, really helped get us kind of like that, that little foot in the door to be able to do this further um, yeah. and kind of set us up with people and got us management and just did all these things. And so like um, so sometimes it just takes that person or two people to like give you a little little nudge. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So just sort of like I mean, there, there, there seems to be a common thread with folks who do that. And that is that you're, you have to kind of, you're doing the work, both the creative work and then whatever is paying the bills at the time, but while also right. you kind of got to get a break, right? You kind of have to have yeah. like, sounds yes. like there's a lot of fortune that happened there. Yes. Yeah, there is. And, and, you know, we ended up and we still, we've only ever worked with really amazing, honest, 
um, <laughs> straightforward people, which is just such a rare thing when you talk to other bands. I'm sure there's always yeah. some shithead who screwed you over or whatever. But uh, we've our team has always been really solid. Uh, maybe they're sharks, but there are sharks. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but and they, and they really truly are not trying to, you know do anything that isn't in our best interest and so like i i, I it, you can't do it on your like i would say as far as an advice piece just connect with good good people who can help you mm, right because you can't do it on your own and also the other thing is and i don't know are, are you if your creative endeavor is musical or, or something else um, it's more um, for me i'm <clears throat> i write and so like i in in a dream world i would write novels i think um oh, but cool. i do write songs and i'm i'm mm -hmm. working on getting out and playing them more that's a relatively new thing that i'm mm -hmm. still have a lot of imposter syndrome about i um, still do too so don't really think oh yeah oh yeah that's like, so interesting do i do i deserve to that doesn't go away but that's what part that's part of why like you do it you know it's like right. therapy right yeah, it's and it's and it's we talked about church earlier. I've said this before on the show. It's my church, you know. The yeah, music is right. my church, right? And that's that's where I feel that's connected to Same. whatever it is, you know, cosmically out there. Yeah. Um, kind of a a quick selfish aside. I'm a huge Amanda Palmer fan. Did you get to spend time with her? Sure, sure, yeah. What yeah, was that like? Toured with her for six weeks. She's she is. I would say there's nobody I've met who has better fans as far as like once an Amanda Palmer fan is your fan, that's a fan for life. And there's no one who's better to her fans than Amanda. Yeah. She is such a dedicated person, like as far as owning <laughs> what it is to be Amanda Palmer and fully embodying that at all times and seriously like loves her community. And, mm -hmm. and like, I, I've, she's not too good to have any interaction with anybody. She's, she's awesome as far as like connecting with her people and, you know, being a really, um, for someone as like free spirited, she's also someone who's extremely uh, grounded and works really hard and, mm -hmm. you know, always in the, in the green room doing vocal scales before the show, like not not slamming whiskey, but alone doing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's, she's always working on her craft and I, I have a lot of respect for her. That's great. So she is who we think she is. Yes. That's great she to is hear. She is a genuine person. It, like her or not, she's Amanda fucking Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the deal. So like, you might not be into that thing and that's fine, but if you are, she's all in with you. So it's oh, pretty, that's great. It's pretty fucking cool. Man, I saw her in 2019. I think it was in Atlanta. And it was just, I mean, it's not hyper, hyperbole to say that that was a life-changing show. You sure. know, it was just that kind of experience. You know, before we did this tour with her, she had been in Europe and somebody ran over her foot uh, just on the street. She stepped out and somebody in Europe, they don't give a shit about <laughs> you. If you're on the road, you're going to get hit. It's not like here. Yeah. And so somebody ran over her foot. And so she had to like, instead of canceling the tour, she just like adjusted everything to work around the fact that she could not walk. Wow. 
but like she did it and pulled it off and it was fucking cool like she had these people carry her through the crowd every night <laughs> up to the thing i'm just like that's that's totally like the the show must go on and fuck everything else is kind of the deal and and yeah I, tons of respect for her that's awesome, man. I, we talked um, about the the beginnings of the builders and the butchers, and um, the, and then there's this kind of now things are so different for all of you, and you're all over the place, and you're doing different things, and I'm interested in sort of. It's not like you broke up, but no. you know you're kind of you're not yeah. doing the same thing. You're not doing the same, you know, regular right. album cycle and tour. And I'm interested in that because it, that's relatively rare in my experience that a band does what you all are doing. Usually yeah. they kind of like just call it quits and maybe come back together at some point. Or, you know, can you talk a little bit about like <clears throat> how, the that moment where you're kind of now you're separate, but you've decided yeah. to keep this thing going? It's, you know, it's always been uh, really, it's a lot there to unpack. <laughs> I think like the, the overarching, like the big one is kind of like, um, the big one is kind of like, we're all like, you know, half of us are parents now. So even if we all did live in the same town, we wouldn't be doing the same shit because I have to take my kids to school and like I, I have to put them to bed and so I can't like stay out late and party like we used to or or go to the bars like we used to and do do that stuff and so like um uh it even if like you know a lot of the guys do li live in in town and like I see them sometimes but not like I used to just because I don't have the time and so when we do have the time and when we make the time then we like are very this is what we're doing. Like we're focused on the band. Um, but I would say as far as like the longevity goes, um, you know, I get to be in a band with like my five best friends. Mm. And, and as you get older, you realize how fucking rare that is. Dude. Like there's not, there's not, uh, there's, there's always interpersonal stuff. And like, we literally have like the best time when we're together it, it, it's just a good excuse like basically the shows and doing the band is like an excuse to hang out with your friends mm. more than we got to go rule the world with our cool ass music like it's just like a, it's just a way to like make make things together put things into the world hang out with your friends and hopefully not lose money like that's kind of like the <laughs> the thing and so like and and I think everybody in the band to some degree or other has like this kind of gratitude about it. And it's such a better place to operate from than uh, we got to we got to get this show. And if we don't, we're fucked or we got to get this booking agent or we got to get this thing and we got to do this or that. It's like we do we do kind of like the shows we want to do as much as we can without like fucking up our lives severely and trying to have fun and connect with people. Dude, that sounds liberating. It is. It's truly liber like it's it's and we wouldn't be able to do it without the people who support us. I mean, like literally the, the like it, it is a thing, not because of us, but because people uh, come to see us. And I I've like as, as someone who's 43, I have like insane amounts of gratitude to have that in my life. Yeah, I never have to feel jaded about, you know, it's it's in, I feel like the most if it all ended tomorrow or I got hit by a truck and died, I would, I would in my last moment feel just internally grateful. 
for to have this. That's so great to hear. You know, and you we were talking about Amanda's fans. I mean, you've got a passionate fan base too. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and and there's something about the music that continues to resonate with people. I, I mean, I, seriously, I get um and it's usually the night part one, but I get like some of those early songs stuck in my head about yeah. about once a month, you know, sure. and and have for many years. And I and I and I got no complaints about that. You know, cool. it's a nice it's a nice problem to have. And because there is a a timelessness to those to those songs, to all of the music mm-hmm. that you make. Um and uh and and that forms like such a connection too so people you know i would imagine are definitely going to show up for this record hell and high water as well because of that um that connection that people have to your music yeah i i again i just feel i feel great like super grateful for that i i don't know i i I just i don't even know what to say it's Mm -hmm. it's insane to me you know like when we started this band really the goal was uh I want one day that like if we played a show in some random town in Alabama or something, 50 people would come. Mm. And I feel like that's generally been met. And so I, that's all I, all I want is, is, you know, to, to connect with folks and have, have that, you know? Yeah. That's Um, great. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know what to say. I I feel, I feel very, very fortunate. Oh, that's beautiful. We talked at the beginning about how um, the, the new record, is uh is is still very much a builders and butchers record but it it, there's a it's different it's there's a different feeling to it there's a maturity to it um in the themes there's a it's it's a rock and roll record um you know and I'm, i'm interested in sort of did you set out to go like this is a different thing or did it just like how did that come about that mm-hmm. that it's got that same essence but it's clearly different well whatever whatever here's a secret or whatever band thing but like whatever you set out to do but the end product is going to be different than that you know <laughs> right. like whatever you're whatever you're like especially when like you know you got like five other guys that are having input and all these different things and so it's not going to be the thing that you thought it was going to be or whatever but um i have this like as far as like it being a rock record i have kind of this feeling that like there isn't (laughs) there isn't like rock on the radio Mm. or like you know i'll do this exercise like with bands like what's the best rock rock band to come out in the last 15 years Mm. and people are like well i don't even know Mm -hmm. like it's a hard it, it for me, it's a hard question to answer. Um, and it almost feels like rock music is becoming as antique as bluegrass or gospel or all these things. It's almost like a throwback thing. Mm. And so I wanted to, I think a, a chunk of the answer is like, we wanted to like make a, make a rock record. Mm. Cause like that's a, that's sorely lacking right now, mm. <laughs> as far as like, what's, what's getting played on the radio and, all these things um so that's a piece of it so yeah i find that interesting that that conversation that exercise interesting too i i I was on a plane recently and there was a guy sitting next to me and uh he was uh probably like i don't know late 50s early 60s maybe Mm -hmm. and he was lamenting the fact that there's no great rock music anymore and i kind of like felt as though i had to be sort of an ambassador of of 
like our generation. And I was sort of, I sort of bristled at his, his comment. Mm -hmm. And then I had to scramble to, to, to find those bands because right. I think you're right. Like there is a lot of great rock music, but you, but there's, I think here's what I think has happened is that there's so much like, um, there's just so much we have access right. to so much that it's so easy for us. Like, I am going to gravitate toward Americana stuff. Like mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm going to be consuming that stuff. It's what I, I grew up on Me country too. music and bluegrass. Right. Like I, I just love that stuff. And so, you know, Sturgill Simpson's putting out a record every couple of years. I'm going to listen to the hell out of that record. Right. Like yep, yep, yep. I'm going to listen to every Isabel record a million times. I'm going to, you know, and so it doesn't leave a lot of room and I, you know, those guys make rock music too, but it's definitely not what we're talking about. Right. Um, I think there's a band rookie out of Chicago. Okay. Those guys are really cool. Uh, I had I'm them on write, the show. I'm, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, they're, I'm they're just desperate to. <laughs> yeah, those guys. And there's a whole scene up there. I, I feel like right. they've got a thing that Chicago's got a rock and roll thing going. Those That's guys, good. Twin Peaks. Those guys okay. are still doing really cool stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Rookie. Um, there's just some there's some some things happening there that um, I'm not all that plugged into, you know, but I think that's the key is like figuring out how to get plugged into that. Cause the algorithm is going to give me, you know, right. the things that it knows I'm already addicted to. Right. It's like a self, it's almost like that with politics or anything else. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, here's what you like. And so here's everything you like. And it's like, that doesn't help anything. Right. Uh, right. But uh, except for me to just stay in my lane, but um that's or, yeah. Or here's what you definitely don't like. I'm going to piss you off with this. Right. So it's right. like one of those two things. Yeah. Let's let, like put some Huba stank on there. Or whatever, <laughs> and then like Just occasionally so that you, you just just re remember what you hate. Um, oh, man. This is the first Huba stank shade ever on the marinade. I'm, I'm really it. sorry. I just thinking of it. like the dumbest band name I could think of. I don't actually hate. I don't even know what that band sounds like. I just think of a ridiculous <laughs> band name. Um. Yeah, I could tell you some fucking fans. Um, but uh, yeah, man, uh, it's it is tricky. I think like like I think that there's like not that they're my favorite band of all time, but like where's the REM? Where it's a band that has commercial and critical success yeah. is on the radio is something else. Not that, and again, not like my favorite band ever, but just a band like that where everybody can say like this is a great American rock band. That's that's uh play stadiums but also it's like critically acclaimed and considered great yeah and I yeah think, sorry yeah. no well, you well, go ahead. I, well i i think like when you say that they don't play stadiums necessarily but i think of the national for example yeah yeah that's um, a good that's a good band um yeah i think there there are some it's just but that's an interesting thing too because i would think of the, the national's been around a long time you know so i yeah. like that some of that may be from a, a bygone era I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, they're all, they're all 50. Right. Um, right. I I'm looking for someone who's 25, I, I, but then I'm trying to adjust the goalposts <laughs> or whatever. I just, yeah. it, it's just interesting. Um, I think what, what you were saying about Chicago is cool. I felt like there's a loss of scenes and sounds of scenes and it's been more mm. like, here's your Americana thing that you live in. And these bands are kind of from everywhere, but like, I would love, uh to hear about like like what olympia was in the in the early 2000s or like you know this this place where people would go and make music and 
it would stir itself up. Yeah. It feels like that's a little bit lacking now. Yeah. I mean, it's probably compounded of course, by the pandemic too. And yes. I, you know, I, I was thinking about it recently cause I'm finally getting out to shows. Um, and, and I have been for, you know, a, a little while now, but, but I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm off. I'm hesitant to go to the kinds of places where that's potentially going to happen. And yeah. I know there are a lot of people who think similarly to me. And so that's mm-hmm. going to hurt that, that a, a potential scene because we're feeling that, you know, I, yep. I went to, I kind of have a little bit of guilt. I went to, uh, I got to, <laughs> I got, I went to see Garth Brooks the other day and yeah. um, it was so much fun, of but course. you know, and so much <laughs> nostalgia. And it was of course like a perfect show. Like he's inc- yep. incredible. Um, but there's 70,000 people there. And I, the, I, the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh, should you have done that? Was that okay? And I don't yeah. know the answer to that, but um but but there are those moments that we're now wrestling with that yeah. could potentially, you know, squash a scene before it ever gets started um, yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I almost, I feel weirdly, I went to a basketball game the other day, like a Blazers game, and there was you know, full of people. Um, and I was like, man, this feels so, feels like I'm cheating on myself or yeah. something. <laughs> uh, but I almost feel like just from a mental I almost feel like 300 people packed into a sweaty club with a low ceiling that's not ventilated for me is like way more sketchy than that big, a big stadium. You know what I mean? hundred percent. I Austin like, Lucas came through with this really cool um, tour. He was doing with all queer country musicians and mm-hmm. they played Will's pub here in Orlando, which is one of my favorite rooms. Yeah. Um, and I, ha- and I've seen Austin in that room since the pandemic began, but there was just something about that night. I was just like, I, I'm going to be anxious the whole time and I'm not going to be able to enjoy it, you know? And it's yeah. like, it depends on the day too. There's some moments where I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm good. I, I'll go. You know, at this point I got to go, get out there. And then some moments where I'm like, I don't know, but I think, I think there are these scenes, like I said, in Chicago is the, is the one example I have of those guys are all young guys and they're, and they're making really kick-ass rock and roll music. Um, and so, you know, it's not all, um, it's not all doom and gloom for, no, for rock and no, roll, no, no. but you all are definitely have definitely made a wonderful rock and roll record. And I'm excited for folks to hear it. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. The, a, a couple more questions about the, the record and the process sure. of sure. the record. It sounds like um, a theme that has come up as you've been talking about the band is that there seems to be quite a um, democratic approach to, mm-hmm. you know, a small D democratic approach to like uh the, the the process um and i'm 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 interested in like a little bit more um granular in in uh practice sort of what that looks like if you are coming with the song idea and you start playing it and then everyone's chiming in on their thoughts are you playing them like rough demos of them or is it a live kind of experience i i do send guys songs sometimes you know, where I'm like, hey, check this out. But more often I'll be like, okay, here's a batch of songs. I always, I, I like to come with a batch of songs because like, if you come with one and nobody likes it, then it's kind of like, oh, okay. But- um, uh, I could kill the momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of like, we just start playing and it's almost like most of the time, if it happens and the song is working, nobody has to like say anything it just people just start playing and and then and then there's a discussion about like what about putting this part here making this part longer and there's like this like um 
little bit of like negotiating the song out like okay i like this but what if we extended this or this seems a little boring let's do an outro jam or something that makes it like everybody kind of puts in their two cents we try all these things and then we kind of we've gotten to the point now to where we can kind of like just tell mostly what works and very few times are people like dying on a hill of like no it's got to be like this if like somebody wants it that way and four or five other guys are like no then people are mostly like okay okay i i i get it or whatever it yeah there's not a i don't know uh it, it is it is democratic but it's also like i am the one bringing the songs in um right i do have i would say like more say as far as how it goes okay but i also want at the same time everybody to feel ownership of their part and everybody to feel ownership of the process so that frankly that so that they're engaged and you get right. the best out of them i don't want people to feel like i'm just dictating what they do and then you're not going to have an inspired guy <laughs> Well, especially with the music that you make, I mean, the, your music is very dependent on it. Everybody on everybody being bought in. I feel like, I yes, feel like it's, yeah. it, you know, it wouldn't work if you didn't have everybody on board. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that thing of like, who are you writing the song for? Is it coming from a, like, I have to express my personal thoughts and feelings and have, and hopefully you connect with this or is this just for you? And I right. think we've erred towards the, this is for you. This is like, this is music for people. Yeah. It's not music. Like there's music for musicians and like, oh, that, that player, that guitar player is so impressive or that drum, listen to that drum solo. Yeah. Fuck, he shreds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, we're not about like, obviously it's good to, you know, be musically fleshed out and sounding good, but it's not, it's, it's, it's about, okay, who, who and how will someone connect with this song? Right, man, that's great. Um, this has been such a pleasure, Ryan. We we usually end on um, the art that you're inspired uh, by at the moment or like that you're fired up about. But before mm. we do that, you made me think of something that I'm curious about. So all our discussion about rock and roll and so forth and sort of generations of music. Um, I'm a big fan of the well-read comedy guys and they have a, um, they had a question one time on their podcast where they asked like what generation, like a, a, what um, decade rather of me, if you mm. had to listen to music from just one decade, mm. popular music from just one decade, like what, what, what decade would you choose? And I'm curious about your answer after our conversation. Mm -hmm. um, man, that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm but I'm such a huge punk rock fan mm. and I honestly, and, and I honestly would say like the seventies mm. because I'm such a huge punk rock fan, but there was so many things, there's so many Genesis happening then. And it was kind of a time of, there was a lot of social jadedness and there was a lot of, and a lot of art came out of mm. that. That was really fucking cool, like yeah. really desperate and, scary and um people were really reaching for something in the set in like the 70s rock bands and 70s punk bands and 70s funk bands and just there was a really interesting feeling happening then musically that is interesting um yeah cool um 
All right. So um, that in the 1420s, 1420s. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I, (laughs) I, I always say 2010 to 2020 because then, because you still get, because like the problem with the seventies is you're not getting hip hop really. That's true. You know, like like maybe just the very beginning. Right. Right. That's true. You know, but in 2010 to 2020, you got, you know, a lot of, classic hip-hop artists especially from the 90s that i grew up on still making music um you know and then you got like visionaries like kendrick lamar putting out records all the great americana stuff and this sort of americana boom is during that time Mm -hmm. um you know classical music is still being made i I guess that counts right you know you can stick new recordings of classical songs or whatever so uh, but anyway, it's just an interesting exercise. Yeah. But what about now? Like, what are you, maybe a book you've read or, um, mm. you know, a movie you've seen that's fired you up lately record. I'm a really big, um, uh, mountain goats fan. Yeah. Um, and he wrote a novel called, I think it's called like devil and white van or something like that. And I love that fucking book. I, I really like that guy. He's so strange and such a funny lyricist um but like speaking of like punk bands they're not like new new but uh, in the last 10 years there's this band called iron chic and it's c-h-i-c and they're like (laughs) a bunch of like guys and they're around 40 making really really awesome kind of hot water music ish cool kind of like not folky punk but you know what i mean yeah yeah blue collar punk um yeah, I um I like that I, new hot water music record too that just came yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, like that like that kind of stuff. It's nice to hear people are doing that still. I went and saw um I went and saw Cursive play a show about a mm. month ago and they're still fucking awesome. Like cool. I I love that stuff. Um yeah. Hot water music in a veil. I've had uh Chuck Reagan's been a guest on the show. Oh cool. But, yeah, it was a great conversation. Um yeah. I'm sure that guy has yeah, he's an interesting. He's just such a fascinating guy. I mean, he's had he's lived a hell of a life, and uh, but they they played with a veil um, in like Atlanta or something a couple months ago. And I I couldn't make it, and I was so bummed. Like, what a yeah. Those I, I don't didn't really have a punk phase. I never really listened to much punk music, but I did listen to those bands and Against yeah, Me. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against Me is awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forgot you said something that made me think of something else, but I don't remember what it was, um, that, dude. That, I gave you my my own brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to get in, climb into your brain a little bit this this morning, and I'm so thankful for your time. And I'm such a such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Like dude. I said, I've been a fan for a long time, and yeah. Um, and the record's wonderful. I'm really excited for folks to get to hear it. I need to pre-order my copy so that yeah. I can get that vinyl. Um, just really grateful, Ryan, and. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate talking to you. And yeah, any anytime. Or, yeah, it's been really, really fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, all right. We'll see you down the road. Yeah, man. Ryan Soli, y'all. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank all of you for listening and supporting this thing. Getting to talk with Ryan of the Builders and the Butchers is one of those moments that I only dreamed of when we started this thing back in 2015-16. The song you are hearing in this episode is Stop the Rain from the Builders and the Butchers' wonderful record, Hell and High Water. 
thebuildersandthebutchers.com for all things The Builders and the Butchers. And give the new record and all the records a spin, y'all. I absolutely love the way Ryan writes, and you will not be disappointed if this is your introduction to the band. Marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade, including written pieces, photography, our online store, and more. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Also, TikTok. We're on TikTok these days. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Tell a friend about the show. These are all free ways to support the marinade. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life and provide a window into the process of making the marinade. The last two episodes of Jason's Journey have been extra special. We had um, extra content from our episode with Van Plating. We also had uh, a conversation with Jordan Foley and Thomas Wynn, which was recorded after Jordan's set with his band The Wheelhouse in support of The Colonel. Um, That one's actually available for free if you don't feel like signing up for the Patreon. I also post what I'm getting down on, which is an examination of the art that is inspiring me at the moment over on Patreon. Sometimes we get together for Patreon happy hours. All kinds of fun stuff, y'all. Patreon.com slash podcast if you are interested If you want to support the show financially, but you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, um, you can just Venmo or PayPal us. We'd appreciate it. A little tip would be awesome. Uh, We're just at the marinade on those channels, and all the money goes right back into the making of the show. Um, We are working to very exciting news. We're looking to cover the Philadelphia Folk Fest, the Philly, Philly Folk Fest in uh in august and so all the money that comes from the patreon going right back into that experience getting there lodging all that kind of stuff and there's some great 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 potential guests up there warren treaty's going to be playing there's a handful of people that we've had our eye on for a long time and this might be the time that we'll um we'll get a chance to talk with them above all everybody just thank you for listening and supporting the show this is a free show it will continue to be a free show and I'm just super grateful for every single one of you who supports this. It's uh, it's truly enriching for me personally, and I hope that it does the same for you. There is no review under two for this episode, everybody, but I do want to take a few seconds to announce something new, and that's our weekly title playlist. It's called Marinade Musings, and you can find it on our social media pages uh, as well as our website, marinadepodcast.com, or just by going to title and searching Marinade Musings. We're going to do it once a week. In short, it's just um, a list of songs I find interesting, um, stuff I'm letting marinate. Uh, I'm having fun with it because I think, you know, sometimes I never really got in the playlist game before. I would I would post one with each episode, but uh, I don't really follow playlists. I don't know. That whole sort of um, subculture in the music industry is something that I never really did much of. But then I realized I, I get pitches from publicists and then people mention bands to me and or I read about somebody and then you know instead of like I don't go back a lot of times and so what I'm trying to do here is sort of like collect ideas of things that we might want to explore on a deeper level Um, and so far it's been super fun this is only the second one that I'm about to publish but it's really kind of um Uh, reminded me to go back and listen to some stuff that that maybe would have fallen through the cracks before so I I hope you enjoy it I hope you learn about a new band that you fall in love with or even just somebody that gets your toe tapping for that moment y'all thank you so much until next time go out and create something cheers y'all